Well, good Sunday morning to everybody out there. It's a great day in America. The summer's drawing to a close, but great things are ahead. We won't let you down today. We've got a great show in store. My name's Wyatt Wright. Welcome to the Wyatt Wright Show. This show is about our rights and the laws that govern us. Rights you've heard of and care about and would certainly miss if they were gone. I've spent, oh, half my lifetime watching government go from trying to do what's right and failing to, well, trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more of our personal rights are erased from the books, and we stand idly by, and it's not because we don't care. Of course we care, but we're busy enough trying to feed our family and raise our kids. And while we do this, the metaphorical water temperatures rising all around us, like the frog who gets boiled without ever knowing it. On this show, we discuss legal issues that affect you and me, the citizens of America. We take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom, your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely, or in short, well, just to live the American dream. We're back at it again today. We've got something we need to talk about. It's another common theme. You've heard it here before. Real-world examples of removing access to the courts, which we use to protect our families, to protect ourselves. Tort reform to plastic surgery, that's the analogy. Good intentions, but it often doesn't come out right. How many bad examples of plastic surgery have we seen? These tort reforms or deforms are cruel laws that reduce the protections and rights our country provides to those, well, who are injured by defective products. Toxic chemicals, medical malpractice, other wrongdoing. Tort reforms often change centuries-old common law. They directly interfere with the independence of our nation's civil justice system. That's the courts. They tie the hands of judges and juries who hear evidence, and, and in doing so, they undermine our country's individualized system of justice. I mean, that's how justice works, one case at a time. These reforms make it more difficult or impossible for injured consumers to hold wrongdoers accountable. And this adds to already existing barriers to courts, which are difficult enough. Tort reforms present this peril, then, to family safety and to democracy. From where I'm sitting, I see it every day. America's civil justice system gives people a fair chance. And it's a chance, ladies and gentlemen, to receive justice when they're injured by the negligence or misconduct of others. This is what we believe in America. That is, we are accountable. We are accountable for our acts, right or wrong, we're accountable for them. I'm accountable for them when I get on the road and drive my car. And big corporations ought to be accountable for them when they manufacture a product that maims or kills. This is more important now more than ever because drug companies, the oil industry, big insurance companies, and other large corporations, they dominate our political process. And and because of this, we can't depend on the political system to hold corporations accountable. I'm not anti-corporation. I'm for accountability. And when corporations and their CEOs act responsibly, I pat them on the back. And when they act irresponsibly by delaying or refusing to pay fair and just claims or or they make unsafe products, well, Americans need to hold them accountable. And the way they do it is in our courts. Because of our civil justice system, our cars are safer. Our environment is cleaner. Our medicine is safer. 
but that hasn't slowed down the efforts to stop plaintiffs in their tracks. And I mean completely every plaintiff every time. That is the goal of mega corporations. Ladies and gentlemen, tort deform agendas are nothing more than a pig in a Sunday dress. And, and they do this and infiltrate our law books. To help us understand how this keeps occurring uh, in America, and we keep seeing it all the time, we've got a fabulous guest with us today. Joining us, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Washington, D.C., is Stephanie Mensimer. She's an award-winning author of a book entitled Blocking the Courthouse Door. Ms. Mensimer works as a reporter for Mother Jones in its Washington Bureau, and she covers legal affairs and domestic policy. She's a contributing editor to the Washington Monthly and a former investigative reporter for the Washington Post. Ms. Mensimer was nominated for a National Magazine Award in 2004, uh, and I think that was for, a, yeah, it was. It was for a Washington Monthly article uh, about myths surrounding the medical malpractice system, something we've talked about here on the show. In 2000, she won the Harry Cheapen Media Award for reporting on poverty and hunger, and her 2010 story in Mother Jones about the collapse of the welfare system in Georgia won Miss Mensimer a Casey Medal for Meritorious Journalism. Wow, that's a mouthful. Miss Mensimer, thank you very much for joining us today on The Wyatt Wright Show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, you've been interviewed by smart people before, but you're stuck with me today. Uh, and, and, I, and I can't tell you how, how happy I am to have you here. Now, uh, when your book, Blocking the Courthouse Door, was released a few years ago, I have to admit, I was hooked. The title got me, and I started reading it, and, and it's a really easy read that sheds light on, on what the, I guess, the real legal crisis is in America. And to me, that's the distortion of facts when it comes to describing our, our civil justice system. Tell me, what motivated you to, to sit down and, and take the time to write this book? Well, I think it was back in 2003. Um, I was reading the New York Times Magazine, and there was a little piece in there about these doctors in West Virginia who had gone on strike because okay. they claimed that their malpractice insurance rates were too high. Right. And it had the um, kind of like mugshots of these guys and, you know, kind of an explanation of why they were doing this. And I, I the whole piece just struck me as really odd because, as far as I knew, most doctors work for themselves, so going on strike didn't seem like it was... A, well, that's a good point. That's a good it seems really good. I don't think you can go on strike. You know, you are the manager. So you just right? say, I'm not coming in today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Golf or whatever. And right. So, and then I, I just, I knew from just work as a journalist that, you know, a lot of times the people who complain the most about lawsuits were people who got sued all the time. Uh, yes. And usually the people who got sued all the time were the very worst doctors. And so I just took a look at some of these doctors and, and their litigation histories, and it turned out that almost every one of them had been sued many, many times because they were just really bad doctors. Sure. And the, the guy who was leading the charge for all that was actually a Percocet addict, and he there was a, a trial lawyer out in this little town in West Virginia who had an entire file on the guy because he'd sued him like 13 times. Oh, and it was because he did wrong site surgery. You know, he, did, sure. he was operating while under the influence of drugs. And it was just a number of things. And I, he'd pay, and, and it was, these were not frivolous suits. These were claims that were paid by the insurance companies and settled because they were, the evidence was really clear. And the guy was sanctioned by the medical board and all kinds of stuff. So I just thought, well, how come the journal who wrote the story about them complaining about them? Our practice insurance rates didn't actually see why their rates were so high, or you know why it was they were complaining. And that's that, 
set off a many-year journey into looking at the bad media coverage of the civil justice system. Yeah, and that and that seems to be the thread because I see, and you're right, the things that, that get media attention are the ones that have the really big propaganda push behind it. It's it's the it's the distorted facts. It doesn't seem to be so much the everyday run-of-the-mill truthful facts that that modern-day media is going out and uncovering. I mean, why is that? Well, I think because I think people. The, the legal system is one of those things that people, they don't fully understand it, even journalists, because they do flybys and, and they don't get into it enough to really see how things work in practice. But also, it, it's kind of, lawsuits are something that if you look at polling data, 99% of Americans think that everyone is too litigious. And gotcha. they, they think 99% of lawsuits are frivolous except for the ones that they file. Right. And Right, right. Um, and then if you throw that in there, that um, you know, journalists themselves are often sued or threatened with suits. They are, I think, sympathetic to a lot of the tort reform arguments because you know, if you find a good, good, you know, any good reporter, especially investigative reporters, have been sued or they've been threatened with suits and they've been deposed, and that you know, just one deposition will turn you. It'll into turn you off. Yeah, you'd be a tort reformer forever after that. Right, and and you know, this it, it seems to me though. It's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I mean, we're we're going through some some issues right now in Texas that, that I was getting ready to say you wouldn't believe, but you believe them. <laughs> Remember, we're going through things right now with our voter ID laws, which are absolutely uh, farcical. I mean, they're made up reasons for for the the need for voter ID uh, fraud, which doesn't exist. But if you yell it loud enough and often enough. Uh, it tends to get traction, and people say to themselves, well, well, you know, I heard that. Maybe there's something to that. And if you hear things two or three times, uh, maybe that's what gets this traction going. Right. And well, and with the restrictions on lawsuits, I mean, much of that was organized in the early 90s by the same people who were, um, you know, selling selling cigarettes to teenagers, which was illegal, you know. Sure. <laughs> They're the best marketing industry in the world, and they know how to, they, you know, instead of selling tobacco they were selling an idea and you know the, and the backers of it all were the same people you know that there were the tobacco companies were trying to avoid lawsuits by smokers so they were going to convince people not that you know you should quit smoking or anything but that you should just that the the legal system was completely corrupt and needed to be reined in sure that's the bad guy uh, ladies and gentlemen if you've just tuned in you're listening to the Wyatt Wright show today uh, on the show uh, we've got uh, award-winning author Stephanie Mensmer we're talking about her book blocking the courthouse door but just other general things uh, uh, that come up in 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 her her work as a journalist for Mother Jones Magazine. Now, and this drives me crazy, for the same reason, it seems to me, uh, Stephanie, that, that that it's not okay to scream fire wrongly in a crowded theater. I mean, it seems too then that it ought to be wrong uh, or indeed actionable when a group propagandizes a fiction uh, by simply repeating a falsehood over and over. I, I mean, it not it, have we gotten to the point, and here's the question, have we gotten to the point in America, where it's just too easy to say there are too many frivolous lawsuits or lawsuit crisis is driving insurance premiums up and then leave it alone with no substantiation? Has it gotten too easy to do that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think part of the problem is that the legal system is something that most people take for granted, that they just assume it's there. They assume it's the place where, you know, David can beat Goliath. And the only good time point. they find out that's not true is when they really need it. That's a good point. And so there's not an organized constituency around the courts other than lawyers themselves. And so um, it's a 
it doesn't, it, and you know, and people who are injured aren't very good lobbyists because they're sick, right? They've been, sure. if you're in a persistent vegetative state, you are not going to be marching on the Capitol to right. you know, support the court system. And that's part of the problem that there's, there's a lot of interest and money on one side and there's just not much else on the other side. Yeah, you're right. Until it happens to somebody, but then you've just got an individual instead of a, an entire gang of folks right. uh, willing to speak up. Uh, and this is something that's been going on for a long time. Now, in your book, you, you said something that caught my eye. You, you said the following, and I love this quote. You said, nearly everything Americans think they know about civil justice system, or our civil justice system, is but a caricature of the reality that takes place inside the nation's courthouses, or more likely, just flat out wrong. Okay, so how did Americans get so hooked on bad facts? What I'm thinking is that this has something to do with the fact that you know, I have to admit, it's a sexy topic. I mean, it's it's a lot easier to get somebody interested in talking about something that is wrong with government than what's right with government. Well, I think there are two things that are going on there. One is just that you know the 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 one it's one of the strengths and the weaknesses of the legal system is that we have a very democratic system and that anyone can file a lawsuit. Right. You know, you just go down and just file your pro se claim because your neighbor's dog pooped in your yard. Right. You know, it, whatever. You can say that you watched something on TV that was so gross that it made you pass out and hit your head and now you want Fox News to pay you damages mm-hmm. because you bonked your head mm-hmm. after watching their show. And, you know, stuff like that gets filed in courts every day. And so it's easy to make a headline out of that. But what, you know, never follows up is that those cases just don't go anywhere. Sure. And they don't even cost any money to get rid of, really. So, um, so you get a lot of these crazy headlines about all these crazy lawsuits. And people use those as if those were representative of the entire system when that's just not the case. Yeah. And so you have that. And then the other part of it is that the insurance industry really has spent, like, I, it's about 80 years now of convincing Americans that the court system is corrupt and that there are too many frivolous lawsuits. When I, I like to do this little PowerPoint presentation for students when I, well, when I was talking about the book, sure. and it shows I have a collection of ads going back all the way to the 1940s that the insurance company was running, and it was designed, it was targeted at jurors to try to convince them not to give away too much money when uh, they when they were in car accidents, yeah. you know, lawsuits and stuff, and so right. they all these things said, you know, it would show pictures of people sitting in the jury box and think your verdict can increase the cost of your grocery bill or sure. you know, things like that, and so many of those ads were were misleading at best, and some of them were the beginnings of these myths that you hear that, you know, Ronald Reagan repeated some of them. That's right. And his stories actually had their their origins in these old insurance company ads from the 40s and 50s. So it's been going on for a long time, a concerted effort to convince people that this is what the system looks like. Right. In fact, in fact, I'm, I'm reminded of the. Wasn't there a really famous one that Ronald Reagan told about the, a guy in a telephone booth? Yeah. And, and and it turns out that that's not at all the way it went. But it, he made it sound like the the claim was against the telephone company for the car actually striking the booth. Right. Uh, when there was there was a, there was a story behind it. You know, and it's a it's a good point that you made when you said that. Uh, that this has been going on for such a long time that these these statements that it'll raise your groceries bill and that sort of thing were never investigated. If if insurance in America were nonprofit, 
then it seems to me you could draw a correlation. A good accountant could go in and draw a correlation, uh, either yes or no, that yes, there is a correlation or no, there is not a correlation between lawsuits and increase the necessity and increased premiums. The problem is these are for-profit businesses and we don't get to see those books. I mean, what we're really talking about here is it very, may very well be the goal in keeping lawsuit awards down is to maximize profits, not because it therefore necessitates a, a premium increase. Right. And that, of course, to me, is part of the danger. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I'm thinking uh, about what else is is out there. You know, we've talked about on this show many times, and, and you alluded to it in the various chapters of your book, what is it exactly that's 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 blocking this courthouse door? I want to talk about a few of those. But before I do, ladies and gentlemen, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Wyatt Wright Show. Uh, today on the show, we've got author Stephanie Mensmer. We're talking about a book, Blocking the Courthouse Door. We're talking about other things that get in the way of your access to civil justice. So here we've got these many chapters, but I'm reminded that all of these things tend to to flow together. And I want to get your perspective on this. We've got caps on damages. We have expert requirements, fine print arbitration, uh, let me just think of some, class actions uh, going away, voter suppression, federal preemption, all these things. From your perspective, sitting there in Washington and watching how things act, are these things coordinated or do they just happen to all flow together? Oh, they're coordinated. <laughs> okay. Well, as well yeah. as my gut feeling. Yeah. No, there are a lot of, and you know, they have, there are people who are just on retainer for the business community to come up with these ideas. And um, I actually I know some of those lawyers, and they're always cooking up some, you know, smart new way to. to it's funny. I think they just start keeping themselves in business sometimes. <laughs> really? you know, some new strategy of how they're going to, you know, reduce lawsuit reform, and so they have to persuade these big companies to keep them on the payroll. Right. Are we losing our ability to really stand up or or uh, speak up about the things that we see are wrong? I, I'm just reminded here that, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who'd like to, to, to have their voice heard, but it really is almost like yelling in an empty room. Uh, I just saw in the news, I think it was yesterday, that some protesters in front of the Department of Health and Human Services were rounded up by, by 10 black Homeland Security SUVs and made to move 70 feet across the street to protest. I mean, is that type of stifling the type of thing that's going to continue and keep folks from speaking out about their civil justice rights? I don't think that kind of stuff will. I mean, I think they still let them protest. I saw there's a bunch of anti-war protesters Are there? in front of the White House this week. So I saw them yesterday on my way home. So I think that sort of thing is happening. But the thing is, it's not very effective. And, you know, to really make change, obviously it's good to have a protest, but you need money and you need lobbying efforts and you need people to vote. So all of that comes, you know, it's kind of expensive and requires organizing and I think that there's just, again, you know, there's not really a very organized constituency to try to keep the courthouse doors open. Right, and that's a scary thing. And, you know, it's it's something that we've got to figure out a better way of, of doing. But, you know, each case, uh, and as a lawyer, you know, I, I every time I go into court, I'm arguing for this case. I'm not arguing for the 15 others that I've got on my mind. Right. This is the one I'm arguing. And each case is supposed to be decided on its merits. And the thing that bothers me, and, and I know it bothers some of our listeners, is that when we talk about 
tort reform. Oftentimes, most of the time, it happens before the suit is filed. So nobody's looking at the individual merits of this claim before the caps got placed on it. Uh, And in fact, I think in your book, you even I wrote it down here that you said blanket tort reform measures that simply prevent lawsuits from being filed on the front end invariably exclude legitimate cases along with any frivolous ones. My question, is this a culture that's that you suspect is going to continue? I'm afraid so. Yeah, um, at least in the short term. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, especially with all these, you know, the attacks on Obamacare over the last couple of years. Right. The thing that's interesting to me about that is that Obamacare really is a Republican plan. It was created by the Conservative Heritage Foundation, and it was implemented in Massachusetts by a Republican governor. When, when Romney. Mitt Romney, right. Yeah, so that was the plan the Republicans had when they were talking about health care reform. Sure. But now that Obama has adopted it and put it into practice, they hate it. And so what happened is that the Republicans now have no health care plan. They don't have any alternative policy to offer to Obama's plan because he took theirs. And so the only thing they have to fall back on is tort reform. So right. all of their bills, that they've, their proactive health care reform strategy has just been to pass a national bill that would put caps on medical malpractice lawsuits because they think that is the answer to all of our health care woes. And, and, you know, and that's the thing that, that I find very difficult in the discussions that I have with, with doctors who are friends of mine. Uh, I, look, w- you're not you're not a bad guy. You're 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 a fantastic doctor. I'm sure you're you're great. But would you agree with me uh, that you think I'm a great lawyer? Yeah, you're a great lawyer. Would you agree with me that if there was a lawyer out there who who was bad and did some harm, that he ought to be called to task? Well, absolutely. Well, why isn't that the same? thing for doctors. I mean, should, should we have this blanket cap or should we instead say, you know what, let's focus on, on going after the bad guys and the good people don't, don't really have to worry about their actions so much. I mean, if we, if we strive for accountability, isn't that what we want? That's a tough discussion to have. Do you have right. that trouble too? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a tough one. And you know, we've, we've heard claims, I've heard claims that civil justice awards shut down businesses, you know, not just doctors. They shut down, they put them in bankruptcy. That isn't so. I I mean, if we go back and look at at the numbers that are involved, uh, and I think you you actually looked at that at one point, didn't you, in your book about the, the fact that there really aren't, <laughs> there really isn't this mountain of, of of corporations that are going out of business because of lawsuits. Right. I mean, I think the only you know the only good, the only big example there are the asbestos companies, and you know sure. you kind of want them to go out of business, right? We don't want them <laughs> in our buildings. And there was there was one company I found I think it happened a few years ago. It was a, a I can't remember the name of it, but it was a company that manufactured Saturday night specials. Sure. You know, yeah, those guns. Handguns, yeah. Cheap handguns, and they. You know, their guns ended up killing a bunch of people, and they were hit with a successful lawsuit before there were some tort reform changes. And rather than pay the judgment, they they volunteered. They, they basically declared bankruptcy to get out of the judgment and then reopened like two days later under a different name. Right. Going. So it, you know, <laughs> but this is this is this is an example to me. I mean, while while on some some level it, it makes you chuckle, but uh, this is an example to me of the tort system working. 
Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's exactly it. I mean, you know, we, we you know, people laugh about, they used to laugh about, uh, shoulder belts, but we don't laugh about them anymore. anymore. Right. I mean, you know, a, a, a seatbelt's uncomfortable, but so is getting thrown from your car when it rolls. Uh, you know, we have this, uh, and we're, we're down to the last couple of minutes here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Wyatt Wright Show, uh, Stephanie Mensmer, an author, uh, from Washington, D.C., and a uh, contributor to Mother Jones Magazine is joining us. Uh, you know, we have, I, I think, and, and I just want to throw this out there, my, feeling is much like uh, other people's that what we need more of is accountability. If we focus on holding people accountable, then this is what really ultimately is going to make the difference in our country. For instance, speed limits are great, but they do nothing. They do nothing unless we know that there's a possibility that the police are going to stop us if I break it. And to me, the civil justice system is much like that. Do you see a similar correlation? Um. That's a good question. You know, it, it's a tough one, but it seems to me if I'm trying to get people to buy into this concept that uh, regulations, for instance, at the federal and state level are there for a reason. For instance, you have to design a product this way. You have to make a seatbelt work this way. Uh, so, too, it seems that the civil justice system ought to dictate how I act as an individual. And if I'm allowed to run down the city streets uh, on my car at 80 miles an hour, th- there's going to be some accountability that should flow from that. Right. I think that there was a story this week in the Texas Observer that kind of highlights that about, I don't know if you saw it, about this doctor down there who he killed a couple of people and... and um paralyzed a bunch of others That's correct all within the in the course of about a year two yeah. years it was just an amazing story and it, i think that texas has actually attracted doctors like that because it's very hard to sue them anymore so doctors who couldn't really practice in other states have found texas a very happy place because they're unregulated and, and then that's what you get are these really really terrible doctors you know there are people who went in for very simple procedures ended up dead yes yeah it's 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 a horrible thing and we see that time and time again down here and we need more and more people to be reminded of this i'm going to tell you it has been a real pleasure speaking with you today well thank you so much for having me absolutely and uh and come back and see us again here and and while you're up there in washington keep up that great work Thanks a lot. You betcha. Author and journalist Stephanie Mensmer was with us today. She's an award-winning reporter for Mother Jones in its Washington Bureau. She covers legal affairs and domestic policy. But listen, she's also the author of a critically important book entitled Blocking the Courthouse Door. Buy it today and read it tomorrow. It is that good. It is easy to read. Here's what one critic said. By exposing some of the dubious characters... Corporate chicanery, skewed research, fudged numbers, and bogus journalism that have buttressed the calls for lawsuit reform, Stephanie Mensimer shows who's behind the movement to close the courthouse doors. Ladies and gentlemen, people are losing access to justice every week. The integrity of our justice system is oftentimes the only thing left to preserve our rights and our liberties. Our courts give us the venue to complain of wrongs and injuries, and this is more important now than ever before. Stand up and be counted. Our civil justice system is important, and we need it in America. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to wrap up this show, but as you go through your week, remember that it was Justice Learned Hand who so famously said, if we are to keep our democracy There must be one commandment, thou shalt not ration justice. Have a good day, everybody. Come visit us on the web, WyattWrightShow.com. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, all that good social media stuff. Or subscribe to our podcast at the iTunes Store. Whatever you do, make sure you're here again next week for more Wyatt Wright Show. (laughs)